Hi, this is Johnny Winter. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Ed Jurdy from the Band of Heathens, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 116 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. Episode 116, we're going to delve into the world of blues and alternative rock music. We're going to get started with an interview with blues legend Johnny Winter that Eric had the opportunity to do. Johnny Winter will be appearing as the headliner on Sunday's uh, show at Hartwood Acres for the Pittsburgh Blues Festival, which is a benefit for the Pittsburgh Food Bank. You can find more information on the show out at pghblues.com. A uh, great weekend out there. Uh, Derek Trucks and Susan Tajeski will be playing on Saturday, headlining a, an all-star day, and Johnny Winter will be headlining on Sunday. Bill that night, Savoy Brown, Tommy Castro. So literally a lot of... Uh, great bands are going to be on the venue that weekend and all for a great cause so without further ado we're going to give you a little johnny winter covering bob dylan get into eric's interview Iron City Rocks, we have the legendary Johnny Winter on the phone. It's my great honor to interview him. Johnny, how you doing? Hi. Wanted to talk a little bit about um, about your career and, and some of what what's going on in, in the world of Johnny Winter right now. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about how you how you got started and everything and, and your your musical family. Um, you know, you you have a you know your brother Edgar, of course, is also very talented and and uh, in his own right. And um, just how, what was that like growing up, and how did you guys get get so involved? Well, my father sang and played uh, saxophone and banjo, and he was teaching the songs when we were like five years old, you know. Okay. The, um, how did, how did, um, you know, like you guys, I know you were in bands together in high school and, and stuff like that? Yeah, I started my first time when I was 15. Okay, okay. Now you've you've been you know your your career spans you know over five decades you know if you if you add it all up um, you know how did you how were you able to get so well known and, and get noticed and and kind of kind of move forward with your career the way you did? I was just plugging away making records and playing places. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. There's there's a lot of people in the rock and roll pantheon that you've worked with. You know, you have Muddy Waters and. You know Rick Derringer, the McCoys, Tommy Shannon. Uh, there's there's a bazillion people that that uh, you know are on your on your resume. You know, just what what was what was that like? What were some of the highlights of of that? 
I thought it was most fun I had to go to Muddy Waters. I'm sorry, say it again? For the most fun I had was working with Muddy Waters. With Muddy Waters, yeah. Um, you pretty much pro- you, you produced his music, but you also uh, played along with him, right? Right. The, um, you helped, I think you helped make his last two albums, is that true? Yeah, last four albums that he made. Right, and then you, you did the one right before he died in the early 80s. Right. Um, which do you prefer to do? Do you prefer to produce or perform uh, of, the two, of the two things that you've done? I like this, but I like performing this. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's a lot of uh, bootleg albums uh, circulating, you know, f- from you. You know, are you, have you been able to some, somewhat rein that in now that, you know, things are have become more digital and, um, you know, they're not selling as many CDs and all this? Or is that still sort of a problem? Yeah, we're really trying to. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Have you made some progress there? Yeah, we have. Now there's a uh, there's a book about you that uh, I actually just got done reading it a couple months ago called Raisin Cane by Mary Lou Sullivan, uh, which is I mean everybody who's a blues fan needs to read this book. It's a it's a great book. Uh, if, you, if you go to Johnny www.johnnywinterbook.com, you can uh, you, know, you can read it. It's it's a long book, but it's an easy read, and it's it's long because there's definitely a lot to say, a lot of good information in there. Um, you know, so just, but uh, it, it helped you know re- reveal a lot of a lot of things that, you know <laughs> that uh, definitely didn't know about you. It was, it was a great book. Um, as far as what you're what you're doing now, you know who's who's in your uh, in your current band. Uh, my manager Paul Messon plays guitar. Uh, Alex plays bass. Peter Luigi plays drums. Two guitars, bass, and drums. Okay. Okay. How long have you guys been? Uh, have long have you had this lineup in place? About ten years. Okay, good long time. That's good. The um, your instruments that you play, your your Firebirds. Um, how many of those do you take along with you? And uh, is that all that you that you still play? Just just one Firebird usually. Uh huh. They're a pretty beefy instrument. I know they 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 pretty they're very reliable. I I own a Thunderbird bass. I know that. <laughs> There's not much you can do to damage them. They're pretty, pretty rugged. Yeah, sometimes I um, break the neck. The neck's pretty thin. I've broken the neck on my Firebird several times. Does does the neck on the Firebird like to dive toward the floor like the Thunderbird does? Or what? Does the neck on the fire is, is are they neck heavy like the Thunderbird is? Do they like to dive toward the floor so you always have to hold them up? No, they're not bad. Yeah. Do you use um, do you use other effects? All effects I use is a, a chorus pedal. Just a chorus pedal, very very basic setup. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, what type of uh, bes- how, how is your tour going? Has how long have you been on it, and when when does it wrap up? Well, we just started last yesterday. We got our first job, Friday. How long does it go until? About three weeks, a little over three weeks. Okay, it's a pretty short tour this time. Okay, yeah, I mean it's it's too bad that the heat's you know that you have to play in this heat. I, I think uh, well you you're playing on Sunday, which we'll get to in a minute, but uh, hopefully you'll get some some relief a little bit. 
Um, I saw on your website that in March it was announced you're working on a new album, uh, which I don't believe has yet been named, or at least not the name hasn't been released. But uh, when do you anticipate that album coming out? That's uh, September 27th. Okay. Okay. Is it? Uh, have you brought other artists on to it, or, or is it? Is it? Yeah, you know, a lot of That's good. Now, how do you uh, how do you feel about the state of blues music today? I mean, you've you've been doing it a long time. Um, as a, you know, there's you're one of the elder statesmen of American blues right now. Um, how do you feel that the state of blues is? Is it in a, is it in a good place right now? And do you feel that the oh, it's still around, but it's not as good as it was in the fifties and sixties. That's for sure. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, I just it, yeah, I mean, it's I know there's a lot of good good players out there. You know, I just hopefully it it stays around as a, as an art form. I think it will. You know, it, it definitely oh, it deserves will. to. Well, yeah. Well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now the uh, your official website uh, johnnywinner.net is a, is a very nice site. I've I've been on there and uh, encourage everybody to to visit that. Uh, you're going to be up at at Hartwood Acres, uh, north of Pittsburgh on Sunday. That's tomorrow, actually. I believe the show begins at uh, is it eight fifteen? I think it's I think it's something like that. And uh, tickets tickets are available for uh, twenty five dollars. They're not available online anymore, but uh, uh, the proceeds all benefit the community food bank. It's a great cause, so uh, so everybody get out there. And uh, Johnny, I want to thank you for for coming on the podcast. It was an honor to interview you. Uh, I've always wanted to. Oh, sure. and I'm glad we could. Thank you. thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you take care. Thank you for your time. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Okay, sure. All right, a very special thank you to Johnny Winner and also to Eric for a great interview. And again, we want to remind you that he'll be here on Sunday. That is this Sunday, uh, which is the 24th, I believe, out at Hartwood Acres for the Pittsburgh Blues Festival. Again, more information at pghblues.com. Uh, great night uh, of rock, both Saturday and Sunday night. Uh, Johnny will be there on Sunday. So. Uh, get your tickets, support a great cause, Pittsburgh Food Bank. Uh, now we're going to get into another band who is uh, also on their way into Pittsburgh later on in July, appearing at the Thunderbird Cafe. This is a band called Band of Heathens. Uh, a newer band to me, I was not familiar with them quite admittedly. This is a song called Should Have Known, and we're going to get into an interview that Eric did with them.
Today on the Iron City Rocks podcast, we have Ed Jurdy from the Band of Heathens on the line. How you doing, Ed? Good, Eric. How are you doing, man? Great, great. Thanks for coming and talking to us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, hey. Yeah, you betcha. I uh, just want to catch up with the with uh, you and see what's going on in the world of the Band of Heathens and all things heathen and pagan and Wiccan and whatever else, I guess, right? And and uh, we um yeah we um we just you know we've been uh released a new record the end of March and kind of just been on the road most of the spring here and uh, early part of the summer and we're just back in Austin for a few weeks here before we kind of get back out the uh, you know the last half of this month and kind of the rest of the kind of into the fall hitting the second second kind of big leg of the tour for the record so um you know just enjoying a little time off right now very good how's the tour been going thus far oh it's been great man we kind of did a um kind of did like a west coast leg you know kind of like the rockies west and the midwest and uh did a european leg for like a month um then did some stuff in the kind of more in the south here and uh now just a little bit of time off and we start back up and kind of go and do a whole East Coast swing. Um, come back out on the West Coast again in September. So uh, it's been real good, man, real good. It's always always fun getting a new record out and getting out and being able to play that material always kind of adds new life to the show, which is, which is good for a band that plays as much as we do. Sure. Now, for those unfamiliar with the Band of Heathens, I'm, I'm only recently acquainted and, and quite impressed, I must say, uh, Let's talk about how the band formed and, and also just how you personally got started in music. Uh, I know you do play guitar and keyboard. Uh, just what, what got you into it and, like, your influences and things like that? Um, well, the band, um, band kind of got together, like, the end of 2005 or so, I guess. That's kind of the rough, rough timeline. Um, and really, it was kind of, like, totally happenstance. Um, a, f- a few of the guys, you know, uh, there's, like, three songwriters and singers in the band, and what happened was each of us had our own residency at a club in, Mo- in uh, Austin called Momos. And um, at some point we had been doing this for a few months and someone just, you know, we were all kind of sitting in, it was pretty loose and always jamming, lots of jams and collaborations going on. And at some point someone just said, well, what if we, what if instead of just kind of having it loose like jams, we have it loose in that we all just play in each other's band at the same time, you know? We'll kind of back each other up. It'll be, instead of everyone having an hour-long set, we'll just do like one three-hour set and maybe we can learn a couple cover songs and, It'll give us maybe a chance to kind of more stretch out in terms of like contributing to each other's music and how we would see it and how we would approach it. So that was kind of the initial idea, and we were just going to do it for a couple of months. But we started doing it, man, and it was a lot of fun and um, really had a lot of resonance. And we, you know, everyone involved kind of found that pretty quickly there was, you know, a new voice kind of emerged from all these collective voices. Um, so that was pretty fun, and within that, it just it kind of took off. We did. We recorded a live album a few months after that at the same club just to kind of document it because we thought it was a really cool thing. Um, man, and I don't know. You know, here we are five years later. So we we really like nothing was really planned at all, and it kind of a lot of that spirit remains to this day in terms of of um, things. You know, I, I hate to use these words because they're, they're they kind of become overused in music, I guess sometimes. But you know, things were, were really organic. And, um, you know, there was, there was definitely a lot of chemistry and a symmetry to everything that kind of came together. So we were just, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, the path of least resistance. It just, it just kind of started flowing downhill, and we just rolled with it. And here we are, like five albums later. So Sure. Um, I guess something was working right. You know, and myself personally, um, I've been playing music my whole life, really. I mean, I think there's a lot of music in my house growing up, just, you know, records and guitars, and we had pianos and stuff like that, and... Um, I just, I, I really, 
all of my earliest memories are of music, you know, and that kind of being around from from the very beginning, you know, from what if if it was like real early on, you know, whether it was like listening to the William Tell Overture or, you know, like uh, my parents had a lot of old folk records, you know, Joan Baez and Peter Paul and Mary and the Weavers and Pete Seeger and stuff like this to, you know, to I mean, I don't, you know, Cat Stevens and, and Harry Chapin and Jackson Brown to soul and R&B stuff, you know, like Wilson Pickett and Sly and the Family Stone. So, and the Beatles and the Stones, there was a kind of an eclectic, you know, listening environment growing up, um, I think. And, you know, all that stuff definitely kind of, you know, through osmosis at a young age, it, it kind of got in there. My, my parents both had a pretty strong love of music. So I think, I think even, you know, outside of taking an interest in playing it, um, there was definitely a love of music. And that was kind of like, that was a free time activity that, you know, was pretty passionately pursued in the house in terms of listening and going to see concerts and stuff like that. So... You know, I just kind of brought up in that environment. So I think it was just, it was kind of something natural for me to, to kind of um, find my way towards this. Mm-hmm. Did you go to music school or anything like that? Are you self-taught? How did you achieve that? Well, I mean, I took lessons growing up. You know, I think like a lot of kids, I mean, my parents kind of, you know, would let me take lessons and then let me keep taking them for as long as they could deal with the fact that they were kind of, you know, pissing money into the wind because I wasn't practicing or anything like that. <laughs> so it was just like when they kind of reached a point where it was like, okay, you know, we're just not going to pay for this anymore because you're not, you're not practicing anymore. But, you know, I took lessons from, in, in retrospect, I took lessons from a lot of different kind of styles of musicians. And it was really cool because I, I kind of learned a little bit about each of their bags as I was, as I was studying with them. And, uh, you know, I think in some way that kind of found its way into my playing. And then outside of that, I was really just into you know, it wasn't that I wasn't playing. I, I love playing. I always played a lot of music. It was just I wasn't really, I couldn't really, I wasn't really into the regimented thing. I didn't really want to be told what to do and what to practice and all that sort of thing, you know what I mean? So I, I kind of, in the end, was largely self-taught and got, and got a lot just from listening to, listening to all different kinds of records and kind of picking up stuff from that as I went along, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, um, as far as the uh, the band of Heathen's name and all that, any any specific way that came about, or was it just something you did? It take a long time to arrive at the name. Or? Well, we, initially when we started doing this jam, we were just kind of it was called the Good Time Supper Club because it really wasn't a band. You know, it was just like I said, it was just a jam. It was a hang. It was really just like people would come by and sit in all the time as well. So it wasn't just like it was just this fixed kind of situation. I mean, there was a fixed set of principles involved with the project, but there was always like we'd have friends come sit in and they like, sax players and keyboard players, other singers, I mean, all kinds of different stuff, you know, other drummers. So it was pretty loose. So we kind of, you know, we had this, like, good time supper club thing. It was kind of like a jug band thing almost, you know, in terms of the looseness of it. But um, what ended up happening was, I don't know, man, at one point, so someone made some posters for the show, and it wasn't anyone in the band, but it was, it was I don't know if it was the, the owner of the club or if it was the booking agent who kind of had booked the night, but um, with these posters just started showing up calling the band The Heathens. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, man, I guess maybe because of the festivities of the night, that just stuck immediately, and everyone just started calling us the heathens, so it was just kind of, I guess we were just kind of like, all right, well, I guess we're the heathens, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we were, we were fine with that, but I guess because of legal reasons we added, we had to add the band of onto there, because there's a, uh, there's a motorcycle gang in California, and there is also a, uh, I guess there's some kind of like a, like a punk rock band called the heathens or something like that, so. Pretty likely, yeah. Um, yeah, so we kind of we had a, we kind of just tagged the band. You know, at that point it was kind of too late to change it. Everyone kind of already knew us as the Heathens, so we just added the band up to the front of it, and you know, 
there it was. That was kind of that was kind of it. So that's a it's kind of a weird one. Like a lot of things that has happened with this band, it, it kind of seems to have been out of our out of out of our control to an extent. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit too about who else is in the band? Uh, some of, some of their sure. background a little bit. So it's the other principal songwriters and singers are uh, Gordy Quist. He's a, he's a guitar player and singer, and Colin Brooks. He plays a, lo- a bunch of different stringed instruments, uh, dobro, lap steel, um, guitars, and mandolins, and he's. He sings. The bass player's name is Seth Whitney, and the drummer's name is John Chipman. Um, we've also just recently added a friend of ours on uh, on Hammond B3 and Wurlitzer and different keys. His name is Trevor Nealon. Um, you know, and again, like, I kind of, it's just, it seems repetitive, but I kind of get back to it. It's like, again, the band is real diverse in terms of, like, everyone is from all over the country, from literally from all four corners of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, it's like Austin... It is a really conducive place to the, these kind of things happening. I think in terms of just you know musicians and artists getting together and and collaborating um, just on a whim, you know. And that, again, that's really what this that's really what this was, you know. So I think I think all these kind of things combined really inform the sound of the band, you know. Um, people all coming from different areas, having kind of different upbringings and backgrounds and different musical interests but yet they're kind of being unified you know certain certain things that we all agree on that kind of unify the sound of the band mm-hmm. you know. sure sure now the uh you know listening to the to the music and seeing some of the song titles the album names and so on uh there's definitely a lot of creativity going on there you know there's definitely a lot of thought going into the choosing of the lyrics and and you know naming things and so on uh, where does that come from I, I also see some biblical references which is is kind of i, I don't want to say ironic that word's overused too but like uh, sure. you know you you have a heathen in the name but yet you reference the bible actually quite frequently in a lot of the songs and stuff so where where does that all come from and does it you know you there's more than one songwriter I know, so how do you how do you arrive at all that? Well, I think you know I think it, it, it depends on the song really specifically, and um, you know I think for some of the guys in the band, I mean, um, some of that stuff is more relevant than other than other guys, and I think I think the Bible being maybe maybe a book that has been read by a lot of people, and you know, and, and de- definitely. I think you know, more than the Bible, I think maybe some of those themes have a lot of universal appeal and mm-hmm. um, sure. kind of flow, flow nicely into a lot of the ideas and themes that are kind of being, being explored. And I think with any kind of music and rock and roll, specifically we're a rock and roll band, you know, there's always the themes of kind of, of salvation and of, of um, you know... Good versus alienation. evil and things like that. Yeah, and alienation and separation. And, you know, it's, it's like, I think, you know, I think things are, you know, it's a lot less black and white kind of than it than it appears you know what i mean and it's mm-hmm. i think i think a lot of a kind of a lot of the stuff that we're a lot of the areas that we explore are kind of dealing with these kind of varying shades of gray mm-hmm. um in a lot of different ways sure like uh i see you know from your discography there's um it looks like you have three studio albums um which which you know you have the self-titled one which appears to be your first one and then one foot in the ether and then the mm-hmm. new the new album, Top Hat Crown and the Clapmaster's Son, which that's not an easy title to read, and be interesting no, to know how you arrived at that name too. And well, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? I would I'd like to know too. I'm still not sure, to be honest with you. Where did it come from? <laughs> well, it's, it came from a lot of different stuff, man. You know, it's and it's um, ultimately it's kind of one of those. I've been telling a lot of people it's kind of like our it's like our Frank Zappa moment where we it's it's ultimately our inside joke and mm-hmm. really for everyone else to kind of figure out and for us to really figure out if we actually figured out what we were trying <laughs> to say with this. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, like uh, talking about going to Montana and raising dental floss and crazy stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I get you. I get you. Now, um, Ed, you also have some solo work that you do too, right? Mm-hmm. I have uh, two solo records that I had done kind of before I got into the Heathens. And, uh, you know, I think really, really since the band has started, that, that all, the, all of the solo work has kind of been put on hold um, just because the project has kind of become all-encompassing. And, you know, that, that's, that's a good thing, I think. I think like anything else, to really kind of get what you're going to get out of something, you have to kind of be focused on it and put your full energy into it. And I think every, that was the moment, you know, everyone kind of was in agreement with that, with this band, that we wanted to do that. And, you know, and that's, that's, that's where it was, that's where it's been, and that's where it's going in the, for the foreseeable future, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, uh, I know you're going to be in Pittsburgh on July 31st at the uh, Thunderbird Cafe in Lawrenceville. Yeah. So we're we're looking forward to seeing you there. I I hope to possibly yeah, make it myself. It would be. I mean, your your live shows. I've, from what I've heard, they're just they're really, uh, you know, they they don't. There's some of them. Some of the songs, you know, you do a lot of acoustic stuff, but then you know you do rock out as well, and um, it, it just sounds like it would be an incredible live experience. Well, it's we really kind of live form really kind of gives us the opportunity to stretch out, and I think you know, really shows the strength of the band in terms of the diversity of it, you know. Um, it, it, we get to play for a long time, hopefully and usually when that can happen. Um, and we get to touch on a lot, of different, a lot of different stuff, which is cool. You know, I think that's really the strength of the band, the diversity of it. So, you know, in like a three-hour show, you you know, that, that kind of gives you the opportunity to, to hit all these things and kind of touch on a different, you know, different emotional vibes and and tempos and, and uh, just a bunch of different levels and kind of take the you know, take a trip with the audience. And I think really that's kind of the thing. It's really kind of an interactive, an interactive thing in terms, you know, concerts. I think it, that, that's kind of been lost for a little while here, but, you know, the idea of it, of it being, you know, the, the, you know, the definition of a concert, it, you know, that, that it being kind of the give and take between the audience and the band and that it's not really, it's not just the band standing on stage and playing and the audience is a separate entity. It's like, you know, when that becomes kind of one organism and it's, and it's working together, that's when, that's when there's magic, and that's why the people that are kind of in the know about going to shows um, keep doing that. You know what I mean? You're kind of you're searching for that. And as a musician and as an artist and a performer, uh, you know the same the same kind of thing applies. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and I, I just I love the originality of your music too. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I'm also looking forward to going to Pramati Brothers again and having a sandwich. So. Oh yeah, you betcha. Um, yeah, man. So we, you know, last time we were there, we got to do that, which was nice. So hopefully we'll have time to do that again. Well, you'll be right over the hill. You'll be in Lawrenceville, so you won't be far away at all. It's just down, uh, down, uh, what is it, uh, Penn Avenue, I believe, is where it is. Cool. Some, somewhere like that. You, you'll find it. It's close. <laughs> but uh, cool, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I just I love the originality of your songs. I mean, I when I hear your when I hear your music, you know, I think of a lot of different other artists, and I you know I don't like to just put you in a box and say, ah, oh, you sound like this, you sound like that. But I mean, I do hear a lot of, you know, a lot of influences like uh, the band and the Almond Brothers and Black Crows and you know Government Mule. I hear a lot of a lot of, you know, I, I guess if you're you're kind of along those lines, but yet you know you you do your own music. You don't. I, I don't think. I guess you do cover some songs, but it seems like it's mostly original, and I and I really really like that. I mean, the show is definitely original. Um, we do do a lot of we do do a bunch of covers. We have a pretty big rotation of covers that we spin in and out, and that's really that's for nothing more than to kind of say like, hey, this is some music that we really like, and you know, to kind of share it with the audience. You know, I mean, I think like even recently we just learned a big star tune, which was really fun for us. Uh huh. Um, you know, because it's like there's a lot of bands I think that have been a really big influence in the band that. You know, if you're kind of from, the, like, just listening to it from an outside perspective, it might not, 
it might not be apparent or sound like that. And I think kind of to echo your point, like in terms of the bands that you just referenced, yeah, like, I mean, that's, those are certainly kind of all common points of everyone in the band digs those bands. Um, and I think, you know, I think kind of in the tradition of the way those bands operated, you know, it's like it, it really was kind of an outgrowth of a blend of a lot of different traditional kinds of American music, you know. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think besides being fans of that, I guess I call that like the second generation of, of American roots music or rock and roll or whatever. Um, you know, we've, a lot of the guys in the band have studied, you know, the masters and, the, and the, the, the first generation, the blues guys and the country guys and the bluegrass guys, you know, so it's kind of funny where it's like, you know, if time and space were not relevant, you know, it very well could have ended up at the same point musically and in, in the way we sound. Um, you know what I mean? Because we're, we're, we are digesting a lot of, a lot of the same influences that they, they got those bands to the point that they were in terms of what they were playing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So and it, it's just kind of, an, it's an interesting thing because time and space do apply because it's, you know, that's how people, that's, that's our, that's kind of our filters and that's how we, we listen and we look at things, you know, and we're obviously inspired and influenced by the things that come before us. Um, but like I said, I'm, it's, it's like, you know, when people say that we sound like those bands, I, I, I do hear those things in there and I, I think it's because we've listened to those bands, but I also think it's because, you know, our band and their band are also kind of have common influences, you know, so it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, it all kind of comes together. I, you know, I guess in, in the end, it's like you can't really know where you're going unless, unless you know where you came from. And that's kind of, I think that's kind of like the basis of, of uh, how we approach music. You know, it's like it's important to us to, to kind of know the history and understand, um, understand the kind of different, different pieces that go into our music, you know? Sure. I like the fact, too, that, like you mentioned, you're covering a Big Star song. I mean, I, I, I know of Big Star personally. I, I know, you know, Alex Chilton was in the band, but I really don't know sure. much about their music. So you could play it, and I probably wouldn't know that's where it came from. So it's, it's also sure. great that you're, you're dusting off old, obscu- older, obscure songs and, and giving them new life. So I, I really like that, you know, and uh, that's, yeah. that's excellent, too. I mean, a lot of our covers are kind of, <laughs> a lot of our covers are kind of obscure songs that, it's just kind of like, you know, until people know that if they come to shows enough, it's like they just think it's another original tune, you know. And, I mean, we do some newer tunes. We do, like, a, a Gillian Welsh tune as well, too. It's like we kind of, you know, I mean, there's certainly a lot of music that as well, too, that's pretty You know, uh, so we, we got it. We had a pretty, pretty broad um, swath of different things we try to throw in there. Sure. Now your um, your official website bandofheathens.com I've been on there a lot uh lately to learn about you and uh I must say it's a great site and uh, I also wanted to personally thank you for the, the free download of the live at Momos uh from last last fall that's a really good show and I've been listening to it uh while I've been working here today and uh I'll tell you what I really enjoyed it and I I encourage everybody to go check that out and uh you know check out all the stuff they have the merchandise and everything it's it's a great site and a great band so everybody make sure to check that out Right on. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's really, really a good one. Well, Ed, thank you very much for uh, talking to us here. Uh, that's it, It's been a, a great interview, uh, really interesting, and uh, I, I really hope I can come see you. I, th- I think it's going to be a blast. Cool, man. Looking forward to it. It's, uh, we've been to Pittsburgh one time, so looking forward to coming back and uh, continuing to kind of kind of build it and make it, a, make it a regular destination. Yeah, I hope so. Well, you take care, Ed. We, we appreciate it. 
Cool, man. All right, again, a very special thanks to Band of Heathens for uh, calling in and being on the show. Also, again, a, a giant thank you to Johnny Winter, a legendary blues guitarist, for taking the time out. Uh, so both bands on their way into Pittsburgh, uh, Johnny on the 24th, Band of Heathens on the 31st. So uh, you can find out information on any of the bands coming to Pittsburgh at ironcityrocks.com. You can find us on Facebook at Iron City Rocks and also on Twitter at Iron City Rocks. So we are not hard to find. Also want to announce we have two contests running until August 1st. We're giving away a pair of tickets to see Amana Marth, a Viking metal extraordinaire who will be at Mr. Small's doing a special two-set show that night. It's an evening with Amana Marth, no opener of any sort that night and then also we'll be giving away a two pack of tickets two tickets to see iron city rocks present the lynch mob at altar bar on the 9th of august and a pair of tickets to see white snake and mr big come out to the trib total media amphitheater on the 16th so you can win both of those with one entry go to ironcityrocks.com forward slash contest to win both uh really excited about the white snake uh, show uh, not only you're going to see Red Beach of uh, Pittsburgh fame, but also on guitar for Mr. Big, the incomparable Paul Gilbert, who, as many of you probably are aware, got his start right here in Greensburg, PA. So, two of the uh, heavyweights of Pittsburgh guitar lore in one night uh, down by the river. So, great show. And uh, there are millions of other shows coming. The end of July, for some reason, always seems to be a lightning rod for great shows. We've got Slayer. We've got Meatloaf, we've got Motley Crue, uh, so many that I can't even remember them all off the top of my head. You uh, 2 snuck in there in case you didn't have enough to do, Leonard Skinner. So uh, if you're out at the U2 show, I will be uh, out and about that evening, and also I will be at the Lynch Mob show. So if you see me, stop by, say hello, and again, visit us online at ironcityrocks.com. Thank you for joining us. 